Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Hello, everyone. This is a Decoding Westworld Extra. What I'm doing with these is... Um, if you are a supporter on my personal Patreon at patreon.com slash Dave Chen at $10 or above, uh, you get one of these every week where it's just me and Siddhanth hanging out, talking about some random stuff that may or may not even be connected with Westworld. Um, I'm releasing this episode for free on um, the main feed, so you can kind of get a sense of what it is. But, um, you know, if you sign up at patreon.com slash Dave Chen, you don't even need to listen to these. Uh, you can just support the show because you want to support the show, but you do get these bonus episodes. So, Siddhanth, I thought what we would do for these uh, little bonus bits that we're going to put on the Patreon is just talk about like random questions that came up as a result of watching the episode of Westworld, right? Um, and I think one of the things that we had talked about was like Ariana DeBose being in the show at all is like mm-hmm. a kind of a huge deal, right? Like, uh, I, I can't recall a time where I've seen someone win an Oscar and then like two months later, she's like potentially a regular character in like a show that I'm watching, uh, <laughs> like a, a brand new character where like the plot has been reset. Um, but you are an Ariana DeBose fan, right? So tell us I about am. your fandom of Ariana DeBose. Well, it began back in, gosh, what was it? 2015, when I first saw Hamilton. Uh, a lot of people may not know this, but she was part of the original cast of Hamilton. Not as necessarily one of the named characters. She was part of the ensemble. You know, one of the background dancers. Somebody comes in to put a chair down or change the set in the background. But she had a very, very, very specific role in the show, if you've seen it. She plays the bullet. So when Aaron Mm -hmm. Burr fires his bullet at Alexander Hamilton, time slows down. And there's no physical bullet on stage, but there is a dancer representing the bullet. She holds the bullet as it flies through the air and dances across the stage. And she stands out in incredible fashion in that scene. And she's also in the recording on Disney Plus, the version of the show that's on Disney Plus. And then of course after that she shows up in West Side Story as Anita and kills it. I think you're and... forgetting Schmigadoon, Siddhanth. I am, you're right. I forgot <laughs> she was on that. Whoops. Yeah. She's <laughs> she's really good on that too. But yeah, I mean I, I I'm joke because not very many people have seen Schmigadoon, but yeah. <laughs> Oscar it's on winner, Apple TV Plus. But yeah. Oscar winner Ariana DeBose on Westworld as potentially minor character. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean uh amazing. I, I didn't know she was the bullet. But first of yeah. all, that, that's an incredible sequence. like when I saw Hamilton for the first time, that like blew my mind. The idea that how action is staged in that musical, I'd never really seen anything like that before. The, the If you haven't seen Hamilton and you can watch it on Disney Plus, right? The stage is like a circular platform that rotates mm-hmm. and they're able to use it to simulate action. Like through a combination of the rotation and actors on stage dancing in certain ways, they're able to simulate action in ways that are really interesting. And so the idea of like a character playing the bullet is... Uh, is, is really cool. And like the way they bring it to life is really cool. I think. 
Yeah, and what's great is uh, on the Disney Plus version, you get uh, a shot of the stage from above. So every time the stage rotates, it it sort of looks like um, the face of a clock. And in a show that's all about running out of time, I think that's that's pretty fitting. Indeed, indeed. Um, but she was awesome in West Side Story as well. And like, yeah, do, do, do you have any thoughts on her performance there? Your review of West Side Story obviously helped you to win a uh, press award recently. Like, oh, thank um, you. what did you think of her in, in West Side Story? I think she arrives with such immediate passion and presence that, you know, even if she was not in uh, the Oscar conversation at all, I think she... You know, she and Mike Fest would be like standouts for, you know, un- until the end of time, uh, because she just radiates this like star energy in a yes. way that so few modern performers in Hollywood do. I would she say so charismatic, right? She just it's like, you know, that you're looking at a star when you're watching her. Yes, I would say it's uh, in terms of like, you know, mainstream movies recently, the only relative newcomers I've seen that from are her and Lady Gaga, two people who Everything they do is just so magnetic. It's nuanced, but it's big. It's operatic, but it's intimate. And mm. I, I love everything she does in that movie. And I'm excited to see, you know, uh, where she goes in Westworld as well. Yeah, uh, hopefully it's something interesting. What, what we don't want is for them to squander this character. You know, like, I mm-hmm. hope they, they had an ace in the pocket. And, they, you know, they don't waste your, your pocket aces. You know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Another thing about Westworld that came up this week was um, you live in New York City right now, do you not? I do. I moved back here a couple of months ago. Which uh, which borough are you in, Siddhant? I'm currently in Manhattan. I'm on the border of Harlem and Washington Heights. I am curious um, what you think of the, – the show has a futuristic depiction of New York City, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some pretty interesting elements to it. I like uh, in Westworld Season 4, Episode 1, we see – uh, this kind of astroturfed greenery, you know, in the streets mm. kind of, and with these cool lamps and, and the lamps like follow you along at night. Like they, they are only illuminated if there's a person underneath them, which makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I like all these little touches and, and I think what they basically typically do is like they add in new elements into the existing city to make it seem futuresque. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, what did you think of like this show's vision of future New York? I'm really interested to find out the geography of it. I know that's, uh, that stuff like that doesn't normally matter, but I want to figure out, you know, what happens to this New York hundreds of years in the future. Uh, because, you know, you get these skyline shots of, you know, way more skyscrapers than New York currently has, but then you look at the ground level and things have changed entirely. You know, it reminds me of that alternate Earth 838 in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, yeah, it's very similar. A very similar you, vibe to that, I thought. Yeah, you, know? you have this mix of, you know, concrete and greenery. And I think that's such an interesting, dominant aesthetic, especially when so much of our media, uh, when it comes to the future and dystopias, is concerned with climate change and the collapse of nature. You have all this nature nestled within a concrete jungle, so to speak. Um, and the first thing that told me, okay, we're in New York, is you you see the camera kind of tilt up behind a small building, and behind it you see a larger building, which has a, a sort of wavy outline on the front, uh, and that's the Gary Building. It's a, it's a real building in downtown New York. It's right next to Pace University, which is where I went to college. And uh, so that immediately told me, okay, we're in New York, and we're downtown. 
And, you know, it obviously looks completely different from contemporary New York. And it's layered in an interesting way. It's almost segmented where, you know, you have these almost cordoned off, blocked off pockets, you know, like walls in the forms of squares, like separating Mm -hmm. neighborhoods, which is not what New York, you know, currently is. And this is sort of like closing off those grids in a way. So I'm really wondering if we're going to get some kind of insight into how this modern New York functions. Um, I don't don't know. Like, I I feel like the show has introduced really cool ideas, but I don't think it's spent much time dealing with the implications of the ideas, right? Like, uh, as an example, like flying cars. There's flying cars in the universe of the show now. Like, if we had flying cars, it would dramatically change how, like, our cities are architected and conceived of, you know? And and I don't know that... And Or last season, a RICO app where you can commit crimes. Like, that would (laughs) significantly change, like, how law enforcement is dealt with. But, like... I don't think it ever really explores any of those things. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But, but it's it, the, the the ideas are cool. The ideas are cool. Um, so I, I'm not optimistic that we're going to get a deep look into like how New York functions as a city <laughs> too much. Um, but it's it's cool that it like raised those ideas in your head. Um, I had one other couple of other topics I thought we could raise during this uh, this bonus time. Mm-hmm. One of them is. Uh, the character of Christina, a.k.a. Dolores, a.k.a. Evan Rachel Wood in the show uh, writes NPCs, non-player mm-hmm. characters, right? And I thought, you know, I was trying to think of like, what are what are some topics we could discuss in this kind of bonus segment that is available exclusively to patrons at patreon.com slash Dave Chen. And I thought we could go over like favorite NPCs of all time. Favorite NPCs of all time. Now, you do not play video games very often. I do. Mm-hmm. But you still have a favorite NPC of all time. So what is your favorite NPC of all time? Non-player characters. So these are characters in games that the player does not control, but that nonetheless contribute to the storyline of the game. So, Dave. <laughs> yes. Have you heard of The Godfather? I have, the, the classic film by Francis Ford Coppola, um, possibly one of the greatest films of all time, right? If I'm no, not no, 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 no. This is The Godfather, the video game on PS3. Oh, oh no. I, I, I haven't heard of The Godfather, the video game on PlayStation 3. Imagine uh, Grand Theft Auto, but in mid to late 1940s New York and with characters from Francis Ford Coppola's The Godfather. Wow. And you have The Godfather game on PS3. You know, it sounds suspiciously like an abomination. Um, it's but... amazing. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, so you you play a character named Aldo Trapani, and he starts off as like a low-level enforcer for the Coppola family. Not the Coppola family, what am I saying? The Corleone <laughs> family. No, uh-huh, no, you don't get uh-huh. that meta. Yeah. It's not Westworld season four. Um, he starts off as a, a low-level enforcer, and through the events of the film, he works his way up through the ranks. You know, you you know, you as Aldo, you're the one putting the horse's head in the bed. You're the one assassinating all the dons, and wow. you kind of you kind of assemble a bit of a posse. And one member of that. Do, posse, do you think Godfather PlayStation Three game is canonically correct? Then <laughs> it could it could conceivably be because it's supposed to take place like in the margins of right. We never movie. saw who put that horse head in the bed in the movie. We didn't. We didn't. Could be anyone. And, could and, be anyone. When when the game starts, you were part of Luca Brazzi's crew, you know, beating people up. So it's all sort of canon, except 
um, they couldn't get the life rights to Al Pacino. So mm-hmm. Michael looks and sounds completely different, but everyone else looks and sounds accurate. Yeah. In, um, likeness rights, I think is what you're referring yeah, to. Yes. Sorry. Likeness rights. Excuse me. I don't know video games or anything, apparently. Um, mm. But anyway, so as as the game goes on, you um, infiltrate all these various compounds of the various dons and you you kill them and you take over and their family becomes your family in the mafia sense, uh, maybe in the family sense too. Who knows? I don't know what happens behind the scenes. Anyway, so the Strachi family has this one, I guess, also racket boss. He's a racket boss is what he's called. And he joins your crew and he follows you on a lot of these missions. And his name pops up on the screen sometime, sometimes. And his name is Monkey Ass Vespucci. Monkey Ass Vespucci. Monkey Ass Vespucci. I don't recall seeing this character in the movie. Was he in the movie, do you think? No, and that's why the game is superior. <laughs> because of because of racket boss monkey ass Vespucci. <laughs> and I've looked up uh his page on the Godfather Wiki, which is a thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the Godfather Wiki. I, I and, check it every day. Yep. Yeah, he he has a whole history here. I don't know where this comes from because he's just a guy who like stands near you and like fires a gun when you fire a gun. Um, I don't think he has any lines per se. Uh, apparently his name is Vinny Vespucci, but he goes by monkey ass. And the first line of his biography <laughs> on the Godfather fandom wiki is a man of very little brain Vespucci was hired by Diego Stracci to help manage the explosive racket at his Sicilian goods, Sicilian goods outlet in New Jersey. He was not considered to be particularly efficient. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe that's how he got the name. I don't know. So that's my favorite NPC, Monkey S. Vespucci. Gotcha. Well, that's a strong choice. That's a strong choice. Monkey S. <laughs> Vespucci being your favorite NPC. I, you know, it's tough to say. I would say, honestly, the one that comes to mind uh, for me, favorite NPC, non-player character in a video game. I know you're not really into video games. Have you heard of a video game called Red Dead Redemption? That's one I've actually played once. Oh, the original or Red Dead Redemption 2? I think it was the first one. Got it, got it. I accidentally Um, shot my own horse while falling off it. Um... So Red Dead Redemption 2 is largely regarded by many people to be a masterpiece um, of the video game genre. And uh, there is a character in that in that video game um, who is uh, the this kind of extremely tragic figure. He's not the protagonist. Um, but he is a guy who's like really sort of close to the protagonist. Um, and he, he, he kind of has all this hope for the, for the future and, and for what the, the, the gang that they're part of can achieve. Um, and it, it ultimately ends up like you can, you can sense that it's, it's, um, it's not headed for a good place, but the character's name I think is Arthur, uh, Arthur Morgan. Um, and th- that's the protagonist of the, uh, of the film, I'm uh, sorry, of the game, and um, Dutch Vanderlint is the character I'm referring to. So Arthur Morgan is the character you play. Dutch Vanderlint is like the tragic figure in that game, and uh, it just was a really vivid depiction of 
this guy who's trying to like keep this whole gang together and everything's like falling apart at the seams. And he's trying, he has such a strong personality. He's kind of like, um, you know, in the direct, not, not anything at all like in terms of aesthetically, you know, or voice tonally, but just like, he reminded me in some ways of like Adam Sandler's character in uncut gems. He's just like the force of his personality is like keeping this entire situation from becoming unglued. Um, and that's kind of what I felt in some ways about this character of Dutch Vanderland, who is his whole gang is like slowly falling apart. And, he, you know, you're trying to like uh, do what is right for you and for the people that you encounter in this game. Um, for some reason, that 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 story has always stayed in my mind. You know, it's always been kind of like, wow, that was like kind of a, a sad, tragic figure and, and probably one of my favorite NPCs. So anyway, well, as an uncut gem stan, clearly I need to play this game. Yeah, I mean, he is nothing like Adam Sandler, but it's, it's the you know the personality. But the personality is not really similar. But what is similar is kind of like the smooth talking, the, this I, this kind of overinflated sense of like I can do it, you know, like mm-hmm. I alone can fix it, kind of deal. Like, um, and like me trying to solve it should be enough, should be enough to to make it go. So those are some things that that are similar. Um, and you should play Red Dead Redemption too because it's excellent. You know, it's really, really an incredible mm-hmm. game. So, so I've heard. So I've heard. I would strongly, strongly recommend. Um, so uh, anyway, those are those are a few of the topics. But the, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind, Sadanth. I, I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but I tweeted about watching Westworld season four, mm-hmm. and I've gotten so many. Re- and I Instagram storied about it too. And I've gotten so many reactions from people being like. I did not know they were still making this show. I don't know if you had the same, <laughs> like, I assume you've told a couple people that you're doing this podcast with me. Like what has there been their reaction when you've done that? Mostly that they don't watch Westworld or they don't <laughs> watch it anymore. <laughs> At this point, the listenership of this podcast has got to be a significant percentage of the people who are actually still watching the show. I believe. Between you and me, I have a friend who's listening to the podcast to sort of hang out with you and me who doesn't actually watch the show. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever do you ever do that? Do you ever do you have any podcasts where you like listen to them? Like I know th- people do this. I know people like there's people out there who like listen to movie things or TV things but they don't they don't actually watch the things but they like hanging out with the people. Do you ever do you consume podcasts or I'm not that much of a podcast person. If if like if I know who the hosts are, like you and Joanna, for instance, then I absolutely will. Uh, but for me, it's mostly um, YouTube video essays, like you know, yeah. mutual fan Patrick Willems. Um, if there's stuff that he's talking about that I haven't seen, I'll still watch the videos. Hmm. Um. But yeah, in general, it sounds like you don't you don't you don't spend a lot of time listening to podcasts for shows that you don't <laughs> you don't watch, right? Well. Um, I do for wrestling shows. It's not exactly the same thing, but... Really? Yeah, yeah. You're into the wrestling, right? I am into the wrestling or the wrestling. Um, and I think that's what fans call it. They call it the wrestling. The wrestling. Nice. The wrestling. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, sort of... So the weekly shows, uh, Raw and SmackDown, have not been good in a very long time. And us wrestling fans, us wrestling fans will be the first to say that. So a good way to catch up on what happens on the weekly shows in between the major events, your WrestleManias and Royal Rumbles, just listen to the podcast and catch up. <laughs> um, I, I have to say, I think, um, I, I, you know, I appreciate you, you uh, taking this step with me. It's, it, it was, I think I told you it was um, obviously very sad to me that uh, Joanna and I couldn't do this podcast together. 
Um, and, but also very difficult to find a co-host for the show because I, I want it to be someone who like is really engaging as a podcast persona, but also is watching Westworld, which is there's just very few people that like literally count on one to one and a half hands how many people <laughs> like that that you know that would like and that and that don't already have a Westworld podcast, you know? Yeah, and this is despite the fact that you know Westworld is a show on HBO and HBO shows tend to be very popular. Um, I think and- the ratings for the, the the show are probably still pretty good. I mean, they they gave it a very enthusiastic renewal after season three. You know, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, um, I think it was Lisa Joy who said that they are probably doing season five, but I don't know if it's official yet. I thought it was like a three year deal. I recall. Oh, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Um, for all I know. Like when, when when after season three, I I, I recall it being a three year deal, but. Um, but yeah, it's it seems distinctly possible that there's going to be a season five. So maybe I don't I don't think it was renewed through season six or anything. Like maybe maybe it wasn't. But I, I just remember hearing that at the time and being like, "What what's going on?" Actually, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But um, it, it is. I think it's in a weird place right now. I think the show is in a weird. The show and the podcast are in a weird place right now because <laughs> because uh, I, I think a lot of people like. Those who liked the show, season three probably turned them off. And, and the thing is, the show has gone so far from where it started, too, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's many people who are like, "Well, when the show left the park, like, it, it's not a, sh- it's not a good show anymore. Like, it's, it ruined what made the show good when it left the park." Um, what do you think of that sentiment, by the way? I think it is. I could see why people come to that conclusion, but I think what makes the non-park season not as good as the park seasons has nothing to do with the setting. It it seems to me to be all about the haphazard storytelling. I think keeping season three in the park would not have made people mm-hmm. like it more if the story was, you know, similar. Uh, so I think it's people latching on to, like, the first, like, superficial element they can think of. Fair enough. I and, think that uh, I think that the park had a kind of notion of fun fun to it, right? Like, First of all, people go to the park to have fun, which is pretty fucked up because they're like killing mm-hmm. and fucking things, right? And it's like, <laughs> you know, it's a bleak view of humanity. But but beyond that, it's like it felt like a puzzle that could be solved, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a park. There's a reason why the park exists. There's a reason why things are the way they are. And like the answers are discernible. I think the creators of the show like tried to outrun that. And that's why there's like five twists in season two, you know? Um but I think it's solvable. And then, like, once you leave the park, it's like it's no longer a box that can, it's no longer a discrete box that can be solved. It's like all these boring human problems that I experience in my daily life. Now I need to deal with, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I, I'm not dismissing your explanation that it's like a superficial thing to latch onto. But, like, I also think there is, there is a, there is something more than just superficiality to the idea that, like, people like the idea of just the park because it's like kind of discrete. Mm-hmm and solvable and understandable in a way, I think, in a way that, like, being out in the real world is not. Maybe? I don't know. Am I, are you point. buying any of this? No, no, that's that's a good point. And I think uh, it's also possible that maybe the season will give us the best of both worlds. Maybe what appears to be the real world is actually just another park. You know? Who knows? It's possible. It's possible. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, I think that's going to be it for this Decoding Westworld Extra. Again, um, I'm going to upload these to my personal Patreon page at patreon.com slash Dave Chen. This one's for free, but if you want to support the show and get these little bonus segments, patreon.com slash Dave Chen. Siddhanth, thanks for chatting with me today, man. Thanks for having me.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 